With Title 42 expiring, how is the southern border handling this influx of people? They see videos posted to social media like this of masses of migrants camped out on the streets of El Paso and other Texas cities. No, folks, this is not a third world slum or refugee camp. This is the United States of America. Seeing is believing. So do you believe the border is closed? Texas border towns are overwhelmed. They don't have the capacity or humanitarian infrastructure in place to handle this crisis. Families were told to line up and they were taken away. We assumed to probably talk to an asylum officer. We have not gotten that confirmed. However, then they're going to start the process. Whether they started under the old rules or the new rules, we don't know. But at 9 p.m., Title 42 comes to an end. I want to be very clear. Our borders are not open behind us. I mean, you see kids, you see families out here. This is a, quite the situation. I don't know what the plan was. I don't know what happens to these people next. Given the amount of people trying to enter, Border Patrol seems to be struggling with the reality of it. And given that Biden is sending 1,500 troops here, it does make sense that this is clearly an unhandleable situation. With the end of Title 42, that number could easily double. So although Mayorkas says the federal government is prepared for this new wave of migrants, I wonder if few people believe the federal government will stop the flow anytime soon. I say not good at all. With this surge at the border, we have seen 60,000 people waiting for Title 42 to expire to surge into the border. Also in the news, we have Trump going on CNN Town Hall and dominating the interview because they decided to fill the crowd with all Republicans. With that being said, let's dig into the Demetrius Rujo Show. Facts over facts over tracks is a mess, spitting slow, spitting fast. I could roast, I could gas, think I'm okay at last, but I don't know if that can erase all the past. Before anything else, happy Mother's Day to everyone. I hope that you had a great day yesterday. Let's dig into the funniest moments from CNN's Trump Hall with Trump. This is hands down the funniest thing I have ever heard him say. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. Yes, v Vagina. CNN really upset their base by letting Trump on stage. Even though he is the former president, there is no exceptions for anyone on the left-wing news sites. Anderson Cooper came out and said this. He hasn't changed, and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. Yes, it's pathetic that people would stop watching CNN for this. They sit there and lie to their audience every single day. Their audience just takes it in because when it comes to the opposition, they have zero tolerance. Now, let's talk about the border. A year ago, Joe Biden put Kamala Harris in charge of the border. But since then, Kamala has not visited the border even one time because she doesn't care about the situation. In fact, she only cares about yellow school buses in Venn diagrams. Maybe we should show her this one. She has failed the American people time and time again, even when she was in Senate. She used to throw away evidence that would put child predators in jail. Her whole career is just one big shit show. But she doesn't even care one bit. She was even asked about her not visiting the border, and she said this. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. 
this is a disgrace to America. There's a lot of places that I haven't been to, but my job is something that is mandatory for me to go to every single day. Even in 2020, when she was running for president, she came out and said that Joe Biden is racist. But of course, everybody forgets that. Kamala should not be in any position that she is now. The only reason why she is in the, in the position that she is in now is because of the position that she put herself in earlier in her career. Wink, wink. Okay, starting off with this, we actually have a Daily Wire article. We have, they did not expect this lull to last. Reporter Bill Milgen says border crossings will crank back up. They did not expect, okay, I already read that. Fox News reporter Bill Milgen said Sunday that Customs and Border Patrol agents did not expect a brief lull in the mass border crossings to be a permanent de development. Milgen said that although there has been a preposterous drop in crossings in the days since title 42 the trump era policy that allowed deportations based on the ongoing public health crisis resulting from covid19 pandemic agents believe that once focus is divided elsewhere the numbers will begin to climb again illegal crossings in texas has fallen off a cliff in the last 48 hours since title 42 expiration after a peak of 3300 on 5E alone. In the RGV earlier this week, under 500 in RGV in the last 24 hours. El Paso, big drop too. Melgen tweeted, attributing to the southern drop to the fact that they were seeing more enforcement from the Mexican-Texas blocking entry and migrants going to the POEs. CPD, CP, CBP contacts tell me they do not expect this lull to last. They expect numbers to crank back up again, but not to the record-setting levels we saw this week of 10,000-plus per day, Milgen continued. Despite the rapid and dramatic drops in numbers of illegal crossings since Title 42 was allowed to expire, Milgen also reported that an Afghan national who was on the FBI's terror list was one of those that were crossing the border illegally on Wednesday. Per multiple CBP sources, Border Patrol agents in San Diego sector arrested an Afghan national on the FBI's terror list watch list after he crossed illegally with a group of migrants near Otar Mesa, California on Wednesday. I'm told that I'm told FBI confirmed the match and is leading investigation. Mulgin tweeted. Mulgin went on to share a statement from Rep. Darrell Issa, a Republican from California, who said Biden's open borders aren't just a gateway to 5 million illegals, record human and child trafficking, and the deadliest drug crisis in out history. Biden's reckless policy is also an open invitation to even the most wanted terrorists in the world to come to America. And that is the sad reality. It's not just going to be mom and dads and, and sisters and brothers coming there. It's going to be people that are on a terror list that want to cause harm to, harm to America. Moving on to the next article, we actually have a Daily Wire article. We have Afghanistan National on the FBI terror watch list cross-border report. Now, this is going to dig deeper into what we just talked about. United States Border Patrol agents reportedly arrested an Afghan national on the FBI's terror, terrorism watch list who was illegally entered entering America by crossing its southern border with a group of migrants last week. The unidentified individual made it across the United States-Mexico divide near Ulta Mesa, California. On Wednesday, Fox News national correspondent Bill Mergen tweeted on Sunday, citing multiple United States Customs and Border Protection sources. 
Um, he confirmed the match. The Daily Wire reached out to CBP as well as the FBI seeking comment. CBP deferred to the FBI. The Bureau said that it will not comment on the specific inquiry. Quote, we are vigilant in our efforts to detect and assess possible threats, and we work closely with our federal, state, and local enforcement partners to keep our communities safe, the FBI tweeted, or the FBI added. News of the arrest generated a great deal of reactions on social media. And remember, God always have never been Gotaways have never been higher. Vast stretches of border patrol totally unguard and unpatrolled as agents force to process and release record influx, said Stephen Miller, who served as top aide to former President Donald Trump. The reported arrest took place at the Biden administration's made preparations for an expected influx of people at the border with the pandemic era Title 42, which allowed authorities to quickly turn away migrants at the border on the public health grounds. Expiring at the end of Thursday, multiple cities at, and at least one state declared emergencies as officials braced for a su surge in migrants, many seeking entry through legal pathways. Still, Republicans has assaulted. Still, Republicans have assailed President Joe Biden for instituting open border policies that they have that they say have fueled problems such as fentanyl, drug trafficking, and illegal immigration. Some Democrats also have condemned the administration for its response to the border situation. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Alejandro Maracas on Sunday rejected the criticism. Quote, it's an extraordinary... It's extraordinary what we've done over the past 18 months or so. Mayorkas said during an appearance on CNN's State of the Union, in addition to the secretary said, in addition, the secretary said that Border Patrol encounters have dropped by half in the two days since Title 42 ended. Pelgin said Rep. Darrell Issa, Republican from California who represents a district along California's southern border, confirmed the Afghanistan national arrest with a CBP contact. Quote, Biden's open borders aren't just a gateway for 5 million illegals, record human and child trafficking, and the deadliest drug crisis in our history, ISIS said in a statement. Biden's reckless policy is an open invitation to the, even the most wanted terrorists in the world to come to America. Yeah, that's what we're voting for when it comes to 2024. Make sure to vote for good, not evil. Okay. Now, we're going to be digging into the next segment, which is the media's takes. So starting off with this article, we actually have a CNN article. We have Greg Abbott's gun law avoidance strategy. Steven Spinhoiser is a Second Amendment supporter and a gun owner, but after pulling a bloody child out of from under an adult, a dead adult, one of the eight killed in an outlaw mall in Allen, Texas on Saturday, he's ready for a new national assault weapons ban. Okay, so... This is where the misinformation comes. These people that do mass shootings are not stable. If we had a better system in place to detect where where these people are getting their um or their thoughts and they're saying, "Okay, well, you are a threat because of the fact that you're actively looking for ways that you can harm other people online." This person that shot them in Texas at a mall 
actively went on and said that Jewish people were not supposed to be alive and he condemned and not condemned. He did not condemn Hitler. He was a supposed white supremacist and he was an anti-Semitic. So are we going to sit here and say, okay, well, we have no idea why this happened. No, there was a lot of red flags that he posted. He would always post his guns online. He would always post his armor online. He would say that I'm ready. I'm ready for this day. The full moon is out on his social media. We, we actually sat here and we looked through his social media platforms on this show. So why are we going to sit here and act surprised when something like this happens? We need to sit here and say, listen, you're going to spy on us, America. You're spying on us anyway. You might as well say, okay, since we're spying on you, we're going to make sure that if you say anything like this, like this extreme case right here, then we're going to ask some questions. We can't ask some questions. Yes, we can ask some questions. And on top of that, most of the time, the AK-47, the assault weapons, are not the weapons that were used in mass shootings. Shootings happen most of the time with handguns, and handguns are the most popular weapon in America. So you're not going to ban the most popular weapon in America with Americans just giving it to you. That's not going to happen. I'm here. I hear our governor talking about mental health issues. Spanhauser said on the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, during a Monday appearance on CNN this morning, we are always going to have mental health issues, but if we don't do something about guns, the people killing guns. What? We're always going to have mental health issues, but if we don't do something about guns, the people killing guns, then we're going to continue to have the same thing happen. Okay, so no, that does, that's just misinformation. We need to target mental health because we have a mental health crisis in America. We have record number of Gen Zers thinking that they have a mental health disorder. But in reality, you can just look up anything on Google and everybody has undiagnosed 10 different disorders because it's fake. Nobody has 10 different disorders that isn't undiagnosed. No, we don't have every, everybody does not have something wrong with us. We're just different people settling through life different ways. If you went through something in your childhood and then you it comes through your through your adult life and now you have trust issues, you're going to say, oh, I have a diagno undiagnosed anxiety disorder. No, you don't. You have trust issues, which is a normal occurrence to have if you went through something when you were a child. Like, And if you are just an anxious person, you don't have to say, oh, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. No, you can say, listen, I get a little anxious when it comes to this and this. How is that so hard? What, you have to sit here and make an excuse for your behavior? No, take responsibility and say that I'm just an anxious person. No, I have anxiety. No, the excuse is is not is not giving anything. No, the excuse, we're not trusting it, that excuse. Um, until we take some defined, definite actions, we're changing the narrative about it just being a mental health issue and start doing something about guns, he added. He quantitated. He quoted the kind of imposition and assault weapon ban places on individual rights on limits to on certain types of speech. Watch the interview. Okay, we're not gonna watch the interview. Shootings are the noise of daily life. No, that's just you.
Shootings are the noise of daily life. Rather than moving toward a new assault weapons ban, Americans almost seem used to mass shootings. They are, most, they are part of the background noise of daily life. CNN's Stephen Coulson wrote last week after mass shootings in Atlanta. They are part of the national reality, almost like bad weather. <coughs> they are part of the national reality, almost like bad weather, that causes people to shudder and hope it doesn't affect their neighborhoods or their families before they carry on with their lives. If the shootings feel somehow normal, so the past shooting promises from Republicans. <coughs> if the shootings feel somehow normal, so do the past shooting promises from politicians. What is the root cause? As Sanheuser noted, Abbott returned to his familiar post-shooting fan As Spanhauser noted, Abbott returned to his familiar post-shooting refrain that is not gun laws that are needed, but a focus on mental health. We've seen an increased number of shootings in states with easy gun laws, as well as states with very strict gun laws, Abbott, a Republican, said on Fox News Sunday. Abbott said that there is an increase in anger and violence, and the root causes mental health issues, because it is, admitting that Texas has lagged in me mental health for years. He is... He said that the state has increased funding over the past three years. The long-term solution here is to address the mental health issue, Abbott said. It's an argument that is also quietly acknowledges the fact that the most gun deaths in Texas are suicides. See, it's like CNN, you admit the fact that mental health is very bad because we actually see suicides being rampant in Texas. So why are you going to sit here and also at the same exact time saying that mental health issues are not the leading cause and people doing stupid things? But while Abbott argued correctly that mass shootings can happen in any state, what he failed to mention is that there are simply more gun deaths, including suicides in states with more lax gun laws. Okay, so you're going to sit here and say misinformation. You're going to sit here and say that just because of the fact that we have more shootings there, we we also can have more people with mental health issues also there. So also at the same exact time, if we break it down, and I broke it down before, if we look at the amount of states and cities, okay, so if we look at the states that are seeing higher numbers of killings and gun deaths, then we can see that they're Republican. But if we take a closer look and look at those cities within those states because we all know that states have cities within them we can see We can see that there's 33 Democrat state uh, cities that are on the top 50 list of mass shootings so far this year. And we can see that Republican cities 
or seven. So that means that 82% of mass shootings so far in in January, the last time that I looked at this, 82% of mass shootings came from Democrat cities. Now, what does that mean? It means that gun laws the left wants to push do not work. We can see that the data is clear as day. Um, another Texas Republican, Rep. Keith Self, also blamed mental health during an interview on CNN on Saturday. We have people with mental health through, though, that we're taken care of, said Self, who represents the Dallas suburb of Allen in Congress. Since this nation is has made since this nation made the decision that we are going to close the mental health institutions, many of the situations are based on that. Multiple previous examples. Devin Patrick Kelly, for instance, killed 26 people with an AR-15 style rifle at the Ryle Texas Church on, in a mass shooting in 2017. He legally obtained his weapons despite escaping from mental health facility in 2012. Okay, so we're going to sit here and neglect the facts. He escaped from a mental health facility. Why does this guy even get to keep his guns if he escaped from a mental health facility in 2012? How does, he, five years later, he get to kill 26 people? No. This is exactly why we need to have mental institutions back in a great scale, and we need to make sure that these people do not leave these mental health institutions until they show zero signs of actually mental health okay and then on top of that we need to make sure that these people that are in mental health institutions do not get any guns because you do not if you're in a mental institution you have mental problems wow look at that so moving into the next article we actually have an msnbc article we have stop the weaponization of womanhood a new brand of Mother-driven activism is a conservative, largely white, and serves as a public face of the culture war. Okay, so we're going to sit here and say mostly white. Okay, so what if we say the opposite? What if the opposition to motherhood is mostly black? Is that racist? No, of course it is. Of course it's racist because you're going to sit here and nitpick about what is racist and what's not racist and this and that and this and that. Listen, the thing is... We know that there is a a really big, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a really big push for the this kind of agenda from the mainstream media. That's exactly why they don't want to say anything that even resembles the truth. Moms are having a political moment. On Monday, a bipartisan group of Texas state legislators voted for a bill out of the committee that would raise the legal age to buy certain assault-style weapons at 21. Images from the committee hearing room show grieving Givaldi mothers hu hugging one another after the vote, flanked by a woman wearing the signature red shorts of Moms Demand Action, a national organization that... It has nearly 10 million supporters fighting for gun violence prevention laws. Elsewhere, a very different form of mother-driven activism has become resurgent. It is conservative, largely white, and serves as a public face of the culture wars that now animate much of the GOP. Led by groups like Moms for Liberty, these moms advocate for book bans, fight to... Okay, so 
I, I just can't. We're going to sit on the book bands right here. So you are in full support of child porn. Okay. Literal child porn being shown to our children in schools. If you do not want these books restricted from our schools, you're going to sit here and say the book bands. No, we're not burning books. This is not Fahrenheit 451. We can still buy those books on Amazon, and it's not going to be a fireman that comes over here and burns the book in front of you right on the ground. No, it's not going to be anything remotely close to that. What's actually going to happen is that children under the age of 18 that are in schools do not have free and unwitting access to these books in school libraries. That's exactly what they're trying to restrict. If you want to rename your book bans, you should say book restrictions. Um, to fight to curl trail the rights of LGBTQ youth. Okay, so what's the rights that you're looking for? Cut off your penis and cut off your breasts? Is that the right that you're looking for? Because nobody has that right. And push for widespread restrictions on what public schools can teach about race, sexual orientation, and gender identity. Okay, so why do, why do you want our teachers to talk about sexual orientation? Because the last time I checked, that's a pervert. Talking about sexual sexual orientation with children is a pervert. In gender identity, you really want your teacher to be talking about how your son can become a woman and become a daughter? No, we don't. Because you're, the teacher is not somebody that we trust in our daily life. If we really want to tell our children that, we can take it upon ourselves to teach our children this. As we celebrate and honor moms for this Mother's Day, I've been grappling with how to make sense of why in 2030. 2030 2023 the identity of moms remains so cultural central in our politics there are benefits to grounding activism to this identity but there are also risks especially when motherhood is invoked in ways that advance outdated troops in impede justice what does an inclusive complementary playbook for motherhood's motherhood activism look like developing such a vision is a thought and endeavor the political identity of, quote, mom remains powerful because it traps, taps into something nearly universal. The intense love, the intense love and protectiveness that we feel in our children. At the same time, it is our, an identity that has routinely been weaponized in defense of an unjust status quo. As historians Michael Nickerson, Nickerson and Lisa McGar told me on my podcast, there are striking parallels between Moms for Liberty and the conservative anti-communist suburb suburban warriors of the 1950s and 1960s who railed against progressive education and fought efforts to integrate schools. Moms for Liberty's rhetoric is also eerily reminiscent of the deployed in by anti-LGBTQ activists in interim Bryant in her 1970s Save the Children campaign. Then, like now, conservative, quote, white, middle-class moms intentionally stoked racial fears and falsely claimed that those in power elites were out of to indoctrinate kids. They were positioned themselves not merely as a frontline protectors of children, but defenders of freedom. And I completely agree with the stance. I completely agree that they are protecting our children and defending our freedom because they should give the freedom to choose what our children get to learn back to our parents 
Organizations like Moms Demand Action have also successfully tapped into our cultural image as mothers and pro as protectors, albeit be in service of vastly different goals. Moms Demand Action's founder, Shannon Watts, intentionally modeled the organization on Mothers Against Drunk Driving, M-A-D-D, because, as she told me, she wanted to be part of a badass army of women who are working to affect change and prevent the senseless loss of life caused by gun violence. Although MADD was deeply political, their identities as mothers allowed them to transcend politics. It is a lifestyle of activism that is that also has a deep historical roots, dating back to the progressive era of the late early 20th century, when women capitulated on the image of mothers as uniquely moral voices to win suffrage and establish many critical safety net programs. In short, moms can get results, and motherhood can also be weaponized to aid and enable opposition. But there's another challenge to consider. By framing mothers as uniquely attuned to the needs of and the well-being of children, materialist politics can reinforce biological socialism and narrow the range of issues on which women are viewed as politically credible. Materialism can also be extraordinary, implying that non-mothers have less of a right to speak on issues about which they may also care deeply. Throughout history and still today, there's been a certain type of mother, white, married, middle, or upper class, who has disproportionately been held up to as deserving of a public voice. Even in progressive political circles, the demolition of the voices of so many other mothers' voices, Black, Latina, AAPI, Native American, queer, single, immigrant, have resulted in less universal and frequently less effective policy solutions. Yes, because your policy solutions do not result in any anything that is worth incredible to the majority of people. If you were to actually put out policies that were actually affecting the daily life of the mass people on earth, then yes, you will have a voice. Go on YouTube, start a podcast. You will have a voice. Everybody has a voice. This day and age in America, you can start a podcast for free. It is possible for mater materialist politics to involve evolve to correct past wrongs and become a serious force of justice. I believe that is what it is. Although doing so requires international work and repair, Moms Demand Action, for example, is broadening their base beyond the white suburban moms that comprised the bulk of their original members. Talking about gun violence as a racial justice issue and developing a more intersectional focus, they now advocate against stand-your-ground laws. So... So the thing is that the stand your laws grounds, the stand your ground laws actually protect us every single day in our house. Just because a few people said, "Oh, I didn't feel safe." No, you have to actually love your neighbor at the same exact time. You have to sit here and say, "Okay, what is this person doing in my house? Is he a threat?" No, if he's just knocking on the door, there's no threat here. Just because a couple people took it upon themselves does not mean we have to take the whole entire law out. Like, what? it doesn't make any sense. Just because a few people use their license to use a car to crash into a few people does not mean that we have to restrict driving for everybody else on the on the planet, which have also been used to, as a defense 
for white shooters who kill black victims, as well as legislation designed to prevent mass shootings. Okay, so what are you talking about here? CNN, you're just trying to make it racial. It doesn't make any sense. In Nashville, Tennessee, there was a shooting in in there was a shooting that resulted from a white person to other white people. So what's the big what are you talking about here? And black people kill white people just as white people kill black people. And just how Asian people kill black people just as black people kill Asian people. The statistics are all over the place on those things because of the fact that it happens. Which has always been used to as a defense. Okay, I already read that. As well as legislation designed to prevent mass shootings. Organizations like Moms Rising are organizing their multiracial base around politics. Like the Black Material Health... Um, mom, Omnibus Act, a set of bills that comprehensively address the many factors that contribute to the black material maternity crisis. In Texas-based Round Rock Black Parents Association is pushing back against Moms for Liberty-style framing of political parental rights by lifting up voices of black moms who are demanding that their children have the right to a safe and equity funded public schools as well as a curriculum that doesn't whitewash history okay so what do you talk about whitewash history nobody wants to whitewash history what we're talking about here is actually saying history for what it is the 1619 project is a made-up project it's not something that actually happened it's a made-up version of what actually happened we're not going to sit here and lie to your kids about america's history because american's history is the most important history America's history was founded in 1776, not 1619. If you believe that it happened in 1619, then you are manipulated to the fact and you need to actually read a book from that time frame and realize the fact that you were lied to. You need to realize the fact that 1619 is not a real American's founding. 1776 is when we signed the Declaration of Independence and this is exactly when America was founded. This is a kind of materialism that is worth fighting for and it gauges people around a meaningful identity then expands to the conversion to a shared set of values love care and community okay so these people that want to lie to our children have no love they don't have any care because they do not want parents to have the parental consensus and community they do not care about the community because most of the people within the community want to have the right to say what their children learn in schools, to build a sense of shared fate at the moment when an old narrow form of motherhood activism is making a comeback with far-reaching implications for our freedoms, families, and democracy, we can instead join our circus of moms saying, that's not, not in my name. Okay, so democracy is just liberalism to Democrats. So, oh, our sacred democracy. No, what you're talking about is liberalism. But Democrats don't want to acknowledge this because of the fact that they don't want to sit here and say, oh, I love my liberalism. No, what I like to do is I like to drink my liberalism tears, my leftist tears over here. Copyright Daily Wire. So talking about Daily Wire, we actually have a Daily Wire article. Newsom's office now says that he's open to reparations, payouts, media sensation central Newsom's office now says that he's open to reparations payouts media previously 
said that sanctioned remarks. California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom's office said conservative media incorrectly presented his previous comments that appeared to indicate that he does not support paying reparations to black Californians who were descendants of slaves as he was, he is, in fact, open to the idea. This sanctionalized framing in pieces published by outlets like Fox News and others are inaccurate. Anthony York, chief com communication advisor for Newsom, told the Scaramento B. The governor looks forward to reviewing the final report and all recommendations when complete. Last week, the nine-member California Reparations Task Force recommended that the state issue a formal reparative monetary apology, including distributing up to $1.2 million to eligible black California residents based on the calculated dollar figures in categories ranging from mass incarceration to housing discrimination and other alleged injustices. Newsom, who appointed five to nine task force members praised the committee's work to advance systemic changes, but stopped short of endorsing his recommendation for cash payouts. The governor told Fox News Digital on Tuesday that finding a way to address the legacy left behind by the institution of slavery was a complicated issue that was much more than just cash payouts. Okay, so we're going to take a pause right here. We're going to sit here and say, listen, if you take this $1.2 million from California, do not dare open your mouth and say that the United States is a racist country. If the United States was a racist, racist country, do not take the money. If you take the money and if you open your mouth and say that America is racist, we take that money right back. You take your choice. If you say that America is racist, we take that money back. If you don't want to say that, America's racist and instead say that America is a great country, then you get the $1.2 million. Add that in the fine in the fine line. Also, we need to talk sit here and talk about the fact that more people are coming through the border, like we said at the beginning. If America was such a racist country, why is everybody coming to America, not the opposite? York told the B that Newsom has not declined to support and asserting cash reparations payouts to black residents, and he will meet with state lawmakers and review the final report. California Democratic Senator Stephen Bradford, a task force member, told Politico that he does not count on state lawmakers to approve payments that he and that he comments from Newsom were acknowledging political reality, as reported by the outlet. I'm realistic enough to know that we might not have colleagues who are willing to do that, Bradford said. I think that he's setting a real real realistic ex expectation that there probably won't be a check in payments in the tune of the amount that we've battled around for the last two years since we've stated started this process, he added. Newsom signed Assembly Bill 3121 into law in 2020, authored by then-Democratic Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, which created a task force to explore how Eligible black California residents could receive compensation for an ex extensive list of injustices since the state entered the Union in 1850. Although California joined the Union outlawing slavery, the draft states that it did not pass the laws at the time to guarantee freedom. But there was freedom in California. Parallel panel members recommended an apology from the California legislature that should in include a censure of the gravest 
barbarities carried out on the behalf of the state. Reparations are not only morally justifiable, but they have the potential to address long-standing racial disparities and and inequalities. Rep. Barbara Lee, Democrat from California, told the Associated Press, According to the task force's report, black communities impacted by mass incarceration and over-policing aligning with the national war on drugs could receive about 115,268 per person or 2,352 each year they lived in California from 1971 to 2020. Panel members said black residents impacted by lending and zoning redlining by banks between 1933 and 1977 could receive 3,366 for each year they resided in California, capping at $148,099. Another method created by the panel calculated gaps between black and white housing wealth at $145,847 per person. Another alleged injustices and discriminations in health estimated $13,619,000 per person for each year lived in California. Based on New York Times analysis, a black person living in California for 71 years, the average life expectancy for black residents in California in 2021 could receive up to $1.2 million. Some economics projected to the Associated Press that California could owe more than $800 billion in reparations, which more than doubles the state's annual budget. So this is going to take them two years to pay off just by not spending any new money. Newsom's clear stance on the reparations plan comes days after they announced a greater-than-anticipated state budget deficit by roughly $31 billion, a $9 billion increase from the $22 billion deficit in the budget he proposed in January. Task force members are scheduled to release the finalized report by July 1st. If the lawmakers approve the plan, the state will create a new agency to oversee the program, determine eligibility, and distribute funds. Okay, so where are you going to get this money from? Is that something that we're not going to pay attention to? Where are we going to get this money from, California? If you're already $9 billion in debt, and now we're going to get you $300 billion in debt, how are we going to pay this off? Inflation's going to get worse because you want to sign a bill that says that these people that never encountered slavery in their life gets paid money. That doesn't make any sense. Title 40, and moving on to the next article, we actually have a Federalist article. Title 42 was never going to fix illegal immigration. Of course, only an actual border can stop illegal immigration. Probably a border with a really high wall. Wow, oh my God, Trump. Whatever your view of immigration is, there is can be no doubt that the Biden administration's border policies have been an object failure. This is especially true of Title 42, the pandemic-era public health order that, for the last three years, under both the Trump and Biden administrations, allowed border officials to expel illegal immigrants quickly back to Mexico. Title 42 came to an end on Thursday, when the COVID public emergency officially ended, and its ending has coincided with what can only be described as an absolute crisis along the United States and Mexico border this past week. Border Patrol agents are now arresting more than 10,000 illegal immigrants every day. If you have no context for that figure, consider that in March 2019, the onset 
of the last border crisis, Border Patrol was arresting 4,000 illegal immigrants a day. At the time, President Obama's Secretary of Homeland Security, Judd Johnson, said, I know that 1,000 apprehensions overwhelms the system, and I cannot begin to imagine what 4,000 a day looks like. What 10,000 a day looks like is a human, humanitarian catastrophe. But bluntly, Border Patrol has nowhere to put these people. If it keeps for much longer, we'll see the string of what amount to a massive um, migrant camps up here across South Texas. Think of an enca- encampment of 15,000 Hyterians under a bridge in Del Rio, Texas, in September 2021, multiplied many times over up and down the border. What 10,000 a day looks like is a southern, southwest border is collapsing. The Texas cities in Laredo, El Paso, and Brownsville has issued national emergency declarations and has New York City Mayor Eric Adams, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, and who still refuses an order to order state law enforcement and military units to arrest and deport illegal immigrants to, caught crossing the Rio Grande and deployed a National Guard unit. The Texas Tactical Border Force to try to deter illegal crossings. It's unclear what this will entail, but video circulating on Twitter this week has taken by Todd Benson on the Center of Immigration Studies showed Texas DPS troops blocking a group of migrants along a north bank of the Rio Grande. That's a steep, that's a step in the right direction, but as a long-term strategy, rolling out razor wire along stretches of the Rio Grande is going to cut it. Neither is the Biden administration's plan to send hundreds more United States citizenship and immigration services personnel to the border as a part of just finalized new policy to process migrants within days of their new arrival and deport them if they fail an initial screening. The USCIS agents will be joined in an effort by some 1,500 military troops, not to enforce the border, but to do data entry mostly. But the new Biden policy amounts to little more than a slapdash propaganda campaign and it may uh, campaign to make it look like the administration is doing something about the crisis. It might result in fewer illegal immigrants ultimately being granted asylum, but it does nothing to reduce the use of catch and release as America's de facto border policy because it allows anyone who is denied a credible fear claim to appeal to an immigration judge, a process that takes years to complete thanks to a growing backlog backlog of asylum cases in the system. And since Biden's new rule does nothing to speed up the justification process, it just means that this backlog will grow faster than it was before, providing an even greater incentive for illegal immigrants to cross the border and file bogus asylum claims, knowing that they will be released with work authorizations as their cases wind their way through the system. On some level, even Biden knows that this, which is perhaps why he said this week that the border was going to be a catastrophic for a while. I could catastrophe for a while. What all of this reveals is that our entire corpus of immigration law is woefully defective and has been for many years. It's this defective underlying body of law that has made bureaucrats expedites like Title 42 necessary to control the border. If we do not fix this law, though, 
will never be able to fix the border, no matter how many Title 42, Title 42 like po policies a future GOP president might institute. Recall that Title 42 has invoked during the early days of COVID-19 pandemic as a tactic to slow the spread of the disease. In the context, it made sense. The thing, the last thing that you want is a pandemic uh, is uncontrolled mass illegal immigration. But it soon became clear that the ending of Title 42 would risk unleashing complete chaos at the border. For as much as the Biden administration denounced Trump's border policies, he kept Title 42 in place for years as a way to manage the flow of illegal immigration, long after the pandemic justification for it was absolute. Absolute. Now that Title 42 is finally ending, we can see that the final the federal government's immigration bureaucracy grinding into action once again to manage a situation our defective laws cannot handle. Whatever the outcome of Biden's plan, it amounts to government by ad administrative fiat demonstrating the ongoing corruption of the rule of law in America and the triumph of the American the administrative state. In the end, the only thing that will end the ongoing border crisis is to fix our asylum and immigration laws so they can be ex exploited by illegal immigrants making bogus asylum claims, programs like Title 42, or even the Trump administration Remain in Mexico policy are stop grabs at best. To secure the border, we're going to need laws that mandate a secure border, which means closing asylum loopholes, immediately deporting those who cross illegally, and building a really high wall. Wow, oh my god, this is like, Trump knew exactly what to do. But of course, everybody else did not want to do what Trump wanted to do. With that being said, we're going to end the podcast off here. Thank you all for watching, and I hope that you enjoyed the rest of your day. If you did enjoy this video, we do post every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so if you do want to stay tuned with all of the newest episodes of the Demetrius Radio Show, please subscribe and like down below because we do post all of those days. Thank you all for watching, and I hope they have a great rest of your day. The Demetrius Rojo Show is copyright Rojo Studios. Thank you all for watching, and I hope they have a great rest of your day. Bye. With Title 42 expiring, how is the southern border handling this influx of people? They see videos posted to social media like this of masses of migrants camped out on the streets of El Paso and other Texas cities. No, folks, this is not a third world slum or refugee camp. This is the United States of America. Seeing is believing. So do you believe the border is closed? Texas border towns are overwhelmed. They don't have the capacity or humanitarian infrastructure in place to handle this crisis. Families were told to line up and they were taken away. We assumed to probably talk to an asylum officer. We have not gotten that confirmed. However, then they're going to start the process. Whether they started under the old rules or the new rules, we don't know. But at 9 p.m., Title 42 comes to an end. I want to be very clear. Our borders are not open behind us. I mean, you see kids, you see families out here. This is a, quite the situation. I don't know what the plan was. I don't know what happens to these people next. Given the amount of people trying to enter, Border Patrol seems to be struggling with the reality of it. And given that Biden is sending 1,500 troops here, it does make sense that this is clearly an unhandleable situation. With the end of Title 42, that number could easily double. 
So although Mayorkas says the federal government is prepared for this new wave of migrants, no wonder few people believe the federal government will stop the flow anytime soon. I say not good at all. With this surge at the border, we have seen 60,000 people waiting for Title 42 to expire to surge into the border. Also in the news, we have Trump going on CNN Town Hall and dominating the interview because they decided to fill the crowd with all Republicans. With that being said, let's dig into the Demetrius Rujo show. Facts over facts over tracks is a mess, spitting slow, spitting fast. I could roast, I could gas, think I'm okay at last, but I don't know if that can erase all the past. Before anything else, happy Mother's Day to everyone. I hope that you had a great day yesterday. Let's dig into the funniest moments from CNN's Trump Hall with Trump. This is hands down the funniest thing I have ever heard him say. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. Yes, v Vagina. CNN really upset their base by letting Trump on stage. Even though he is the former president, there is no exceptions for anyone on the left wing news sites. Anderson Cooper came out and said this. He hasn't changed and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. Yes, it's pathetic that people would stop watching CNN for this. They sit there and lie to their audience every single day. Their audience just takes it in because when it comes to the opposition, they have zero tolerance. Now, let's talk about the border. A year ago, Joe Biden put Kamala Harris in charge of the border. But since then, Kamala has not visited the border even one time because she doesn't care about the situation. In fact, she only cares about yellow school buses in Venn diagrams. Maybe we should show her this one. She has failed the American people time and time again, even when she was in Senate. She used to throw away evidence that would put child predators in jail. Her whole career is just one big shit show. But she doesn't even care one bit. She was even asked about her not visiting the border and she said this. Do you have any plans? to visit the border. I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. This is a disgrace to America. There's a lot of places that I haven't been to, but my job is something that is mandatory for me to go to every single day. Even in 2020, when she was running for president, she came out and said that Joe Biden is racist. But of course, everybody forgets that. Kamala should not be in any position that she is now. The only reason why she is in the, in the position that she is in now is because of the position that she put herself in earlier in her career. Wink, wink. Okay, starting off with this, we actually have a Daily Wire article. We have, they did not expect this lull to last. Reporter Bill Milgen says border crossings will crank back up. They did not expect, okay, I already read that. Fox News reporter Bill Milgen said Sunday that Customs and Border Patrol agents did not expect a brief lull in the mass border crossings to be a permanent de development. Milgen said that although there has been a preposterous drop in crossings in the days since Title 42, the Trump era policy that allowed deportations based on the ongoing public health crisis resulting from COVID-19 pandemic, agents believe that once focus is diverted elsewhere, the numbers will begin to climb again. Illegal crossings in Texas has fallen off a cliff in the last 48 hours since Title 42 expiration. 
after a peak of 3,300 on 5.8 alone. And the RGV earlier this week, under 500 in RGV in the last 24 hours. El Paso, big drop too. Meldrin tweeted, attributing to the southern drop to the fact that they were seeing more enforcement from the Mexican-Texas blocking entry and migrants going to the POEs. CPD, CP, CBP contacts tell me they do not expect this lull to last. They expect numbers to crank back up again, but not to the record-setting levels we saw this week of 10,000-plus per day, Milgen continued. Despite the rapid and dramatic drops in numbers of illegal crossings since Title 42 was allowed to expire, Milgen also reported that an Afghan national who was on the FBI's terror list was one of those that were crossing the border illegally on Wednesday. Per multiple CBP sources, border patrol agents in San Diego sector arrested an Afghan national on the FBI's terror list watch list after he crossed illegally with a group of migrants near Otar Mesa, California on Wednesday. I'm told that I'm told FBI confirmed the match and is leading investigation, Muljin tweeted. Mulgin went on to share a statement from Rep. Daryl Issa, a Republican from California, who said Biden's open borders aren't just a gateway to 5 million illegals, record human and child trafficking, and the deadliest drug crisis in out history. Biden's reckless policy is also an open invitation to even the most wanted terrorists in the world to come to America. And that is the sad reality. It's not just going to be mom and dads and, and sisters and brothers coming there. It's going to be people that are on a terror list that want to cause harm to, harm to America. Moving on to the next article, we actually have a Daily Wire article. We have Afghanistan National on the FBI terror watch list cross-border report. Now, this is going to dig deeper into what we just talked about. United States Border Patrol agents reportedly arrested an Afghan national on the FBI's terror, terrorism watch list who was illegally entered entering America by crossing its southern border with a group of migrants last week. The unidentified individual made it across the United States-Mexico divide near Ulta Mesa, California. On Wednesday, Fox News national correspondent Bill Mergen tweeted on Sunday, citing multiple United States Customs and Border Protection sources. Um, he confirmed the match. The Daily Wire reached out to CBP as well as the FBI seeking comment. CBP deferred to the FBI, the Bureau said that it will not comment on the specific inquiry. Quote, We are vigilant in our efforts to detect and assess possible threats, and we work closely with our federal, state, and local enforcement partners to keep our communities safe, the FBI tweeted, or the FBI added. News of the arrest generated a great deal of reactions on social media. And remember, God always have never been... Gotaways have never been higher. Vast stretches of border patrol totally unguard and unpatrolled as agents forced to process and release record influx, said Stephen Miller, who served as top aide to former President Donald Trump. The reported arrest took place at the Biden administration's made preparations for an expected influx of people at the border with the pandemic-era Title 42, which allowed authorities to quickly turn away migrants at the border on the public health grounds. Expiring at the end of Thursday, multiple cities at 